What is up, everybody? Welcome to the 78th episode of the Media 1099 podcast. My name is Michael Dern. I'm here with my co-host, Robert Husky. Season three is underway, folks. We've got a great topic today. We're going to be talking about quarterly taxes for freelancers. So stick around. We've got a quick break, and we're going to get started in just a second. Okay, good morning, listeners. Robert, how are you today, bud? Good. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing well. So what are we going to be talking to about today? Uh, today, we're going to be doing quarterly taxes since it's like about mid-January, probably by the time this podcast goes up. Yeah. You should... So January 15th is either, by the time people are listening to this, it just had passed, which would be the last quarter of 2019. Yeah. Or if I get this out on a quick edit, hey, pay your taxes, send yeah. that in the mail because you just exactly. made it. <laughs> so um, right off the bat, let's just dis- let's talk about what quarterly taxes are you know, and why people that are freelancers should be interested in or concerned with it. Yeah. So if you work a normal nine to five, you would get a, a W-2 sometime late January or early February. And when you work for somebody, they already take out uh, withheld taxes. So in theory, you fill out a form, like how many dependents do you have? What's your income? All these questionnaires. And they, by that survey, they will take out what their estimated tax should be per paycheck. Right. So you're constantly paying into that. When you're a freelancer, right, like you're getting 1099s, the people that are hiring you do not take out any taxes. So you owe all that taxes on that paycheck. So a third of it, technically, roughly, should be saved to go to taxes. So that's why you have to do quarterly taxes. Right. And and also, too, I think people get confused sometimes, especially early on, where it's like, isn't isn't there a dedicated tax day? Isn't that April 15th? And it's like, yes, but that's not the day that you actually pay all your taxes. I learned that the hard way. Right. And in fact, even if you are an employee, you don't even do that. So it's like you're, most people pay have paid the IRS throughout the year already. And so this is just another area where we have to be diligent about paying it Per quarter, which is actually way easier. It's way more beneficial. Yeah, the, the IRS is a pay-as-you-go system. So yeah. in theory, you should be you know consistently paying. Exactly. Um, so Mike, who qualifies or what's the threshold for people that have to pay quarterly taxes? So basically, if you do any type of freelancing on the side, so if you have a full-time job and you do freelancing on the side, if you are expected, you're obviously going to be paying taxes on your actual wages. Separately, because not everybody's a full-time freelancer like us, um, if you make, if you're expected to make over a thousand dollar in taxable income, that's the threshold. Yeah. So now there is another area where it's self-employment tax, and we'll kind of go on this as well, where it's like if you if you make over four hundred dollars, you basically have to pay self-employment tax as well, which seems very very low. Yeah. Um, but basically, yeah, a thousand dollars or even close to let's say three thousand dollars in profit. But basically, if you're expected to pay a thousand dollars in taxes off your freelancing then you should be setting up quarterly tax payments. If you're not, then you could probably end up just paying it towards the end. But you're going to end up paying a penalty and interest on top of what you should have been paying the first three quarters or last three quarters of the year. Right. So it's just it's just an easier way. It's a better way to do it, setting up quarterlies. Just do this system and uh, you'll be way better off for it because a lot of people don't set aside money for the actual quarterlies. Um, and that's usually the... The downside. So by the end of the year, it's like, oh, I owe ten thousand dollars in taxes. That's a tough bullet to bite because you've already spent so much of that money if it's just in that one checking account that you have. Yeah, especially because you'll start to think close to the end of the year, like, oh, I got to spend this money to get deductions to kind of help save on taxes. Mm-hmm. When it turns out, like, 
no, you, you owe a lot. Like that for me personally, that was, that's what happened. I think when we maybe year one or two into this podcast, right. Where you're like, don't you technically have to do quarter taxes? Yeah. yeah. And I, so then I looked into it and I was like, oh shit, I do. Uh, so I had to pay a penalty that year. And then even before then, like I would get in trouble with like thinking I have excess money when in reality, like I undervalued or I undersaved how much my uncle Sam is going to take. Yeah. So, and, and listen, let's just assume you, for an instance, if you have, if you owe $10,000 in taxes by the year's end, you know, that could be 8% penalty fee on that. So why would you throw the, an extra $800 to the IRS if you don't have to? So just be, be cautious of this. This is why the system exists. Um, it is way easier. I think it gives you a lot more understanding of where your money is throughout the year. So it's actually forced me, ever since I went to the quarterly system, it's forced me to be cognizant of where my money is, how much money I have, like true money, because you just need to know this money is set aside for taxes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I mean, I use uh, Quicken Books, you know, like, because that's helped me put things in perspective, have quarterly graphs, and it just as a flash reminder of like, hey, you're going to owe X amount, you mm-hmm. know, um, how do, how much should I pay per year? I'm just going to kind of throw you this question because the idea, right, is each year you should be wanting to pay more taxes, right. essentially, because yeah. that means you're making more profit. Right. So the... The closest thing, I think the best way you can do is, and then I'll go through an actual scenario of how to estimate the quarterlies. First off, I want to give people the dates right off the bat. So uh, for 2020, here are the deadlines. April 15th, 2020. June 15th, 2020. September 17th, 2020. And then January 15th in the following year in 2021. Those are the dates. So just write those down, jot them in your calendar. Um, That way you know there's going to be a deduction in my bank account of X amount of money to the IRS. And that's for the 2020 income year. Yes. Okay. Exactly. So um, going back to your question in terms of like, how do you, what was it like? How do you know how much to pay? Yeah. How much should I calculate or how much am I going to have to pay for this 2020 year? Okay. So forward? the best way to do it is to get, to, to use last year's um, forms. So if you go, I think it's to your 1040, you can, find exactly how much you need to pay and divide that by four. And you would have a 100% basis of what you should be paying because that's at le- it's at least in good faith of I'm paying 100% of what I know. You can't control, you know, what's going to happen this year if, if it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. You know, you can get more clients, you can get less clients, you can get more jobs, whatever. So if you do that, you won't be penalized any fees. If you do less, you may incur fees down the road. Yeah. But uh, estimates wise, you can do that very simply. Um, Here's basically the rundown of how I would calculate it. So one, you can do this if you go online and just type in um, quarterly tax calculator and you can punch in a couple numbers and it'll get exactly to you. You can also talk to your tax professional. But by the way, disclaimer, we are not CPAs. So I hope everybody understands that. Um, discuss these issues with somebody that's certified that can walk you through exactly what you should be doing as accurately as possible. But here's the basic equation. Here's what you basically need to calculate it if you wanted it yourself. Your gross income, your expenses, and basically just a 2020 chart of the tax brackets. That's basically it. Okay. So 
let's, you know, you write those three things down and here's the basic equation. It's your income tax, which is gross minus the expenses. Okay. Your self-employment tax. And then you divide that by four. So you're adding your income tax and your self-employment tax, dividing that by four. That's basically the equation. So I'm going to break this down. So, um, your gross minus your expenses, that is your net income. So you're going to circle that number. The quickest way to find your gross is you tally up all the invoices that you have. So whatever that is, you write that down. Let's just use the, an analogy of $50,000 to make that simple. That's your gross, your expenses, what you did to operate the job. So that's travel, equipment, um, insurance, all those things. You're going to deduct that as, as best you can. And then you have your net income. So let's just say it's $10,000 at your expenses. So you now have $40,000. So at $40,000, you're now just going to have, you're going to pull up a tax bracket chart, which is anywhere found on Google. You're going to use this in conjunction with your new number, which is your net income. Okay. So now the tax bracket is tiered. So when people say that they're in like a 22% tax bracket, that doesn't mean that their entire net income is taxed at 22%. So if you look at it, it's hard to tell this on an, on a podcast, but if you look at the chart, you'll see tiers. So the first, and I'm rounding up here, but the first $10,000 is going to be taxed at 10%. So everybody that makes over that is going to be taxed at 10% for that first 10,000. The next from 10,000 to 40,000 is taxed at 12%. And then from 41,000 to 85,000 would be taxed at 22%. Again, I'm rounding those numbers up, but that's easier to digest than saying the specifics. Yeah. So if you made like a dollar over, let's say that 41,000, you'd only have that $1 tax at 22%. You understand? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I'm not going to do the math with everybody, but let's just say you have that $40,000. You're going to basically come up with terms here. So you would multiply the true first tier by 10%. And then you'd multiply the second tier for the remaining balance of the money that you had. So $30,000 left over. And then your income tax would come out to, and I did the math for everybody, it'd be $4,600, okay. $4,602. Now you're going to take your net income again, which was that 40 grand and multiply that by the 15.3%, which is your self-employment tax. Okay. And that's going to be $6,000. And then you add those two together. So you have about $10,600 off of a net income. That's what is your tax income. And then you just divide that by four and you would have quarterly payments of $2,650. So that's how you would do it. And it's hard to visualize that if you're not writing it down, but that's kind of the basics. Yeah, no, I think that was a pretty quick and good and concise breakdown of the current, you know, tax bracket. Cause for me, like, um, to be clear, I get a W2 because with Cal State LA, okay. it's not freelance. It's I'm part-time, but it's, I just view it as freelance in, in a way. Um, so I'm getting income from that. So I have a W2 and I also have 1099s cause I do mm-hmm. majority work right. income coming through freelance. So for me, when I first started really doing this, I just took it to a tax professional because that's like Michael said, we're not tax professionals. No. I personally think it's worth the investment to pay that 
kind of security fee blanket. Um, and what was nice is he he did do a breakdown for me of like what I should be expecting. Like he was re- very clear on that. But then he printed out like, okay, this is quarter one estimated taxes for 2019 because now we're – so this was last year. So 2019, boom, just send this in. Here are some envelopes, IRS sticker on it. And it was so easy for me to just put it on my calendar. Like, okay, right. um, April 15th, boom, April, sent first of the month, just send it out, write the check, mail it out, don't have to worry about it. Boom, next date on the calendar, flip it open. Like, And so y- you know it's, very, it's a very concise way to know how much taxes you're going to need to pay at least estimated. But luckily 2019 was a pretty decent year for me, mm-hmm. you know, so I made a little bit more money than I did in 2018. Whoop whoop. Yep. Um, so I'm probably still going to have to owe taxes. Yes. Right. Sure. Yep. Because it's just an estimated, you know, 2018. Exactly. You're, yeah. So if you make an extra twelve thousand dollars, you're still going to have to pay taxes on that as well. Yeah. Um, but you won't be penalized to anything else for not having set up your quarterly estimates as best you could. Yeah. So that's the benefit there. So you'll still have to owe more in taxes just because you paid quarterlies. Like I said, if you all of a sudden, um gave the IRS too much money, you would just get a tax refund. Yeah. And vice versa, if you end up making twenty thousand extra, thirty thousand extra, you would just have to also owe the IRS more money on that as well. Yeah. Because you were anticipating one way, but then in quarter four you got a huge client. Yeah. So you know that's you do you do the best that you can and you won't be penalized or anything. Yeah, I already know like this next next year I'm gonna have to pay more taxes. And like you, no one likes seeing that number raised, but like it kinda is a good thing. Because that yeah. means, you know, mm-hmm. you had more income, either less expenses. Exactly. Or... And there are too many scenarios that make it difficult not to discuss with an actual professional. So I'm, I'm giving these numbers based solely on the assumption that you are single and filing um, as a sole proprietor. If you are incorporated as like an LLC, an S-Corp, if you are married and filing jointly, like these are areas that add more complexity, complexity that I don't have the ability to really translate to you. So that's why you're going to want to talk to somebody that really understands, preferably understands freelancers. Um, but that's why you talk to a professional and not just, you know, watch a YouTube video and then just say, okay, I'm good. Yeah, no. And I mean, I think this year your tax taxes, uh, your tax program or strategy might change a little bit because someone got married. Right. So Mm -hmm. now, like it is different. Like I remember filing individually and now I file jointly and it's like, oh, like, yeah, you just stick everything together. And And, and also too, like, and I looked at this when I pulled up the tax brackets, they actually did lower for, um, for 2019 and I think into 2020. So you might have made, let's say net income of $40,000, whatever it is last year. But if you are in that this year, you don't hit that 22% tax bracket. You might be at like the still at the 12. Yeah. So just a little bit of difference will change your estimates and change your numbers. Yeah. So you just want to be aware of that. Um, I do want to talk about self-employment tax a little bit. So this whole concept of what the quarterly taxes are, it is a combination of three taxes, basically. So it is comprised of your income tax and your self-employment tax which is technically two taxes, which is your social security and your Medicare. So that breakdown is how you kind of get to, so your social security is 12.4%, your Medicare is uh, 2.9. And so that 15.3 is taxed on your first $127,000, which I'm presuming that a lot of our listeners are not making 
over that. I'm not making right. over not, that. Not so, yet. And I hope you are. And if you are, come just on the jump pod on, show. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> jump on the show, please. So um, you just have to be aware of that. And so that's kind of how I built a system where that in conjunction with the income tax, it's a good safe bet to just round to 30% of your income that you're making and set that aside. That's the system that I use. Do you have a system where you're putting aside money or are you just setting, just writing the specific check? Um, so from having this discussion last year, I really started like take a third, like it's just third because I'd rather have more money, like a three, 5% buffer than not have enough money. Right. Cause yeah. not having enough money sucks. Yeah. Cause then you're pulling from your personal stuff. Exactly. Um, and so what I do is I just, I, every check that I get, like I write a note, I have like, my books kind of in my office in a drawer of like, okay, of this, boom, let's say I got a $3,000 check. Like what's a third of that? A thousand. Boom. Okay. I know a thousand that's in my bank account isn't really in my bank account. So like throughout the year, my bank account should not, for my business bank account should not go below this number. And I know I can't spend because let's say at the end of quarter two, I have $10,000 in my bank account, but I, I know I'm going to have a third of that being taxes. I should have at least $3,000 in there saved ready or 3,300 saved ready to go. Um, that's currently worked for me because I haven't broken down into like different accounts. I have it like written down, but I don't have specifically like ally bank. Like this is one bank where I take taxes out. Boom. It goes mm-hmm. into this separate account. I just haven't gotten there yet. Sure. Um, I might because who knows, like if I start making, making it rain money, you know, like <laughs> there, there's, it, it's, the the efficiency in building a workflow is like always something I like improving on. So from two years ago, this current system is way better. In two years, it will probably be actually better than it is now. Yeah, yeah. And you're um, always kind of evolving that. I feel like I'm always seeking out different methods, different systems that are more efficient, um, that automate things a little bit easier. Yeah. The tough thing is, you know, employees have the benefit of having this somewhat automated. They don't have to think about it. And that's why the transition into freelancing and to this lifestyle is a little bit of a kind of a jolt to the system because, oh, wait, all the taxes were withheld before. I didn't have to actually think about it. Yeah. Now I have to think about it because you are the boss and employee. So that's why you have to take care of the self-employment tax. Yeah. And I mean, I was glad when I got bit in the butt with it like I was young enough that I didn't have like any real responsibilities like beyond myself you know um so if you're looking to make this transition or like this is your first year this upcoming year like you want to really transition like be aware that it might come back and just you might have massive amounts that you have to have flexibility to pay your taxes if you're not paying attention and if you have bigger responsibilities you know like that might snowball into debt and then that's like interest on top of that. So just take the time to really look at your books, figure out some system and know, like take the third out. However you want to do that imaginatively, physically, and like stuff yeah, under your right. your pillow, just do it. Yeah. Your system is different than mine, <laughs> but they both work. So there's, yeah. you know, it, it doesn't have to be one way or the other, but basically if you just get accustomed to separating that percentage away solely for taxes. I do it even more granularly so that I have it for a bunch of different reasons, but just at the very core, set 30% aside for your taxes in whatever fashion that you can. Because if it's just in one bank account and you just keep spending money, because it's like you might do the honorable thing of like, actually, oh, I'm going to 
put more money towards my credit card debt and throw that at it there, you know, make it easier on myself. But you're actually taking from the money that you owe to taxes. Or if you buy and try to scale up, you buy, spend money on marketing, you spend something on a new camera. Now, all of a sudden, you're again, you're pulling from your what's owed to the IRS. Yep. It's just going to be a tough break because by the end of the year when it's like, oh man, I owe five grand to taxes and you have none left because you're living paycheck to paycheck. You know, this, it's just a bad situation to get into. Yeah. And, and then you're going to owe even more. And so a reality check for me is because we've on this podcast, we always talk about kind of raising prices and yeah. it's like a third of what your quote is, isn't yours, you know? Right. So keep that in account, like moving forward, especially if you're transitioning from a full-time job to building your freelance career is like, yeah, a third of that isn't yours. So let's say you mark your time at I'm valuable at $50 an hour for editing video mm -hmm. or a hundred dollars. Yeah. Like, no, it should be $130, right? you know, because no, yeah. that money isn't yours. No, I agree. That's a really good area to consider is when you start to price yourself, if you have the ability to price yourself, because a lot of times photographers will, especially early on, because they don't know, um, or they don't care either which one, they take jobs where the rate is established and is uniform across the board. I tend to avoid those situations. I don't like taking jobs where the, the rate is established by the employer. I would rather create my own rate and negotiate. That's just me. But by doing so, I can account into, okay, well, how much would the taxes be off of this? If I'm changing my rates this year, I have to think about not only the inflation rate, so my wage, if I keep it the same, would be about 2 to 3% less valuable. And if I'm quoting, let's say, a $2,000 day rate, you know, you think about that, like how much is how much am I actually losing? Can I add that into it? Can I add into it for the taxes? How much is my actual take-home pay is the thing. This is why I don't do like, you know, $150, $200 jobs. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, I'm taking $140 home from, you know, $200 job. I always get a post-game meal or get whatever and the travel expenses. It's like, you know, your take-home is 100 bucks, which... If you were doing that every single day, that's not a bad job, but I don't want to be doing that every single day. No. And, you know, for freelancers, sometimes you're not working and getting a paycheck every five days a yep. week. You know, yeah. it might be one job in one month. So I make it count. So that that's just a, a thing to consider is like, yes, pricing yourself to the point where you understand what your actual take home pay is. On top of kind of setting yourself up so that you're aware of where that 30% of your income is coming from and where it has to go, another area that I think people can do a good job of preparing is, one, monitoring their expenses. So it's hard to say to somebody, keep every receipt of every business expense for the entire year. That's it, It's overload. You're like, oh, God, that just seems like too much. You should um, be doing that. Well, what I'm saying is the the visual of that. Just think of it in quarters. So quarter one, by you know, which is April fifteenth, by April first, just jot down all the expenses that you made that were business related. So it just it makes it more digestible, because if you wait for this at the end of the year, you have to do all of the year. Yep. If you do it just by quarter, it's the same thing. But it's like when quarter two comes, when quarter three comes, you don't have to worry about quarter one, quarter two. You've already done it. You know, you've already jotted that information down. Yep. So do it as you go. And also consider separating your accounts, business account, personal account, you know, make very conscious decisions on, you know, what you're putting on your business credit card versus, 
you know, your personal pr- credit card. Yeah. And that'll make it easier to categorize what follows as a business expense. Yeah. I think we've talked about this a little bit before, but I have all my business expenses on one credit card. Just use it. That way all my statements are receipt. You know, everything just goes into one folder. Um, and then I do keep my like physical receipts when like, I buy gas or like we go get meals. I put it in a quarter one envelope. Yeah, there you go. You know, yeah. and I also... I think I'm going to start introducing that now myself and just having it... I like the quarter system. Yeah, because, you know? yeah, it makes it more digestible where before, you know, you wait till the end of the year and you're like, oh shit, I got to scrap yeah. everything together. Yeah. But this way, it's, yeah, it's all in one envelope. And then when I turn in everything in at the end of the year, it's like, oh, just let me grab quarter one, two, three, four, boop. It's all there. Also, using some type of organizing software, if you're a visual person, mm-hmm. really helps. Yep. Um, and they have good categories of like, this is gas, this is advertisement. You know, my website, that's advertisement. Like all these Schedule C stuff that is pre-organized, boom. And you have an idea of what your deductibles or what your deductibles and your expenses are going to be so you can see what your net income is. Exactly. And also I'll, I'll throw on, so I use FreshBooks for my invoicing and my estimates and all that type of stuff, but that's very easy to build a ledger very quickly. So you just kind of go based off of year from this date to the end of the year. And then you can see what your, this, this is how I get my numbers really quickly. So I'm not actually going back and trying to figure out what I made. I don't even have to wait for um, my tax returns to come in or anything along those lines or all my 1099s, which they have not come in just yet. But like, I know in 2019, the gross invoices. Yeah. I already know that number because it just tallies it up really quickly. And then I can just, if equally as quickly, maybe not equally, find what were business expenses and deduct that as the same way. Also too, Mile IQ has been really helpful for me. Okay. That's an app on your phone. So it allows you to separate with a quick swipe what was a personal drive and what was a professional drive. Yeah. So before that, I didn't do that stuff. I had no idea. I was like, oh God, I don't even know how many miles I drove that were for jobs and for money-making business. Now I do. And so it separates that and organizes it. And it's like, oh man, I actually drive way more than I think for business. Yeah. Which has helped. And it's lowering your taxes. Yeah. Um, Another good thing about, I use uh, QuickenBooks is, you could see what quarters you're doing really well in. You could go months, weeks, like you could break it down granular and you could see when expenses kind of pop up or shouldn't sneak up on you. Like I know I have camera insurance that's due pretty much in June for whatever reason when the first time I bought it, middle of the year. Yeah. And so I know like that's an expense for camera gear and also like liability insurance. Like, boop, okay, have some money saved up for that. Um, and then you could see like, wow, summer is really busy for me why is winter not as busy for me? Maybe mm-hmm. I could start shifting either marketing power or like totally. research power into, okay, how do I build up this week season? Yeah, no, I agree on both fronts because one, you want to identify where your big kind of um, money cash flow droughts come from. So if you spend $800 a year on your liability insurance, you, you should know what month that comes up in. Yeah. Just jot that on your circle of your calendar. The same thing with your website. Most websites cost a few hundred bucks to run unless you're going the cheap route, if that is, because we all try to find little hacks where it's like, okay, if you pay for the year up front, then you save $40 for the year, right? As opposed Worth to doing monthly, which is, but you need to know what month that's coming up. Because again, if you have everything in one kind of account and you're not keeping track of what you owe to what, then all of a sudden it's like you have a huge negative cash flow. 
And it's like, oh, these both came up in the same month. My website came up, you know, this domain name came up, this, uh, you know, my accounting software came up and my insurance came up. That's like $2,000 right off the bat like that I forgot about. And not to mention, it aligns with the quarterly tax date. Yeah. So it's like, I have no cash there because I spent it all on trying to scale. And that's the danger of not really having an idea of where your money is. Yeah, and another plus side to this like accounting software is we're visual people. Like sometimes just hearing numbers is so abstract, you know, but graphs with colors and red and black and like just visually seeing it, it helps you digest it. At least for me being a very visual person, like, oh yeah, like that was a good month. Oh, this was not a good month, you mm-hmm. know, and just it's another reality check if you think these numbers just mean nothing to you and like running off like, approach it from a different angle because these numbers matter. <laughs> exactly. And so just to wrap that up, I know it's the, it's a shorter episode today um, because I think it's just so concise, but we just want to make it a little bit more digestible so that it's not as intimidating as it kind of seems. Like taxes are very intimidating for the average creative. Quarterlies I find are relatively simple. And I know what I said about breaking it down and calculating it is hard to listen to and figure out for yourself, but there are plenty of platforms online that you can find that will write this out And oftentimes, you won't even need to do this yourself. You won't need to chart this with a tax bracket. You can just punch into a quarterly tax calculator. And even better yet, obviously, just talk to a professional and you'll be able to do that and set that up. So where can you, where do you go to pay this stuff? You obviously pay the IRS. Do you pay by mail, phone, website, whatever? Um, So I think the first time I set it up through the actual IRS like website and paid online, and then I forgot my password and like oh, changed it. Sure. And so now I just mail it in because it's so, okay. uh, for yeah. me, just snail mail works. Yeah. Um, you can just go to the irs.gov and like it, it's relatively intuitive. It's not like some websites where it makes you really work for it. Like going through like health insurance, like is a nightmare, but um, going through the IRS actually is a relatively easy to use interface. And you're going to just need some basic information like your social security and like your gross and all this type of stuff. So, um, but yeah, just the, the last kind of things that I want to say, you know, just as a repeat are, you know, here are the dates. Okay. So April 15th, June 15th, September 17th, January 15th. Those are the quarterly deadlines. So just have that money set aside for that. And then if you want to know how to, what this, this tax is, it's a combination of your self-employment tax and your net income tax. And you're just going to divide that by four, you know, and you have your quarterly payments. Yeah, no, I think this has been like a really concise, helpful episode. Um, For me, kind of my last two cents is save your money because Uncle Sam's going to want it and you don't want to pay interest either on a credit card or not paying quarterly and paying a penalty fee, penalty and interest uh, fee. And yeah, I mean, just honestly start some accounting system if you don't have it one already because you can't measure what you don't measure. You know, Mm -hmm. you can't see the progress. Um, so for me, that's kind of how I want to wrap things up. Yeah. Just be aware of what your money actually is. So like, if you're like, Hey, I got a thousand dollars for this job. Like that's cool. It's not really a thousand dollars. Just be aware of that. And you do that every single job and you have a really good understanding of what money is actually yours and what's uncle Sam's. Yep. I think that's a good spot for us to wrap it up. I'm Robert Husky here with Michael Durr as always. If you've enjoyed this podcast, leave us a comment or a review it really helps the algorithm or slide into our DMs on Instagram at Media1099Podcast, and we will catch you on the next episode.